Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Talking Trading this week, guys. I'm Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. 2017 saw the explosion of Bitcoin. It saw the continuation of rising US stocks and the performance of the Hang Seng. In today's episode, Chris Tate joins us as a special guest for a look at what happened in the world markets in 2017 and where the cash was to be made for trend followers. He also gives advice with what to do with your positions when Santa comes to town. But first, just imagine you had the opportunity to have lunch with the most successful trader in the world. What would you ask? Well, Louise Bedford sets this scene and she asks you this question in Mind Power. Just imagine that you have the opportunity to have lunch with the most successful trader in the world at a lavish restaurant. As you prepare to meet this living legend, so many thoughts are running through your mind. You know all about the history of this incredibly skilled individual and you're in awe of their list of accomplishments. You're excited and nervous about the thought of meeting your hero. So... What is the first question you would ask? Take a minute to think about it. Don't rush in. This could perhaps be the most defining moment of your trading career to date. Generally, when presented with this scenario, there are three broad questions that traders tend to ask. The type of questions they ask, it tends to define their experience and their expertise in the market. Novices usually ask questions revolving around indicators and entry signals. They might ask, what moving average do you use? What is the effect of the dividend yield on future share price action? These types of queries dominate 90% of the question time of any seminar that I've run. Some never progress beyond this level, even though they've been trading for many years. Once a trader has moved beyond their fixation with entry, indicators and setups, it will dawn on them that money and risk management are very important concepts. How do you handle risk, position sizing and setting stops? That's the key as a trader at this level of development. Questions from a trader like this might involve, how do you set your stop loss? How do you handle highly volatile shares? What percentage of your capital do you allocate to each market that you're trading? Traders asking these types of questions are well on their way to developing a level of professionalism. But there is one extra step. Chuck Lebeau 
is a worldwide trading authority. Sure, he does have his eccentricities, but he is worthwhile reading if you get a chance to Google him. He tells of the story that every morning he would put a Coca-Cola bottle up to his ear in front of his broken crew and he'd nod in a knowing fashion and then he'd place his orders. Now, the other brokers, they asked him, what was he doing with this Coke bottle? And he said aliens spoke to him through the Coke bottle and told him which trades to execute. Everybody laughed. They thought that was hilarious until they realised that he was the most successful broker employed by the firm. Now, what's going on here? He knew that it had nothing to do with which trades he entered. He knew that it was more to do with how you manage those trades and your own trading psychology. A 1991 study into 82 large US pension funds over a 10-year period found that the differences in money management techniques explained 91.5% of the variance in their returns. Evidence such as this suggests that entry decisions and indicator selection has very little to do with your ultimate success in the share market. Now, there is one extra step. A sophisticated group of traders who has moved beyond both of these levels, the concerns with indicators and even the concerns with stop losses, they move on to understanding psychology about the market. They will ask questions like, how do you maintain a sense of detachment from the market? How do you handle a windfall profit? After you've made a loss, what do you do? Most professional traders would be able to teach you their trading system in about two hours. It's these little finesses, these extra mindset tricks, these ways of viewing the world that stand between where you are now and where you want to be. So few traders go on to achieve those profitable results because they don't ask the right questions. Work on engaging your trading system. Make sure that it is bulletproof. But then think about how you can improve your own mindset so that you can reach outrageous profits in the market. I'm Victor Sperandio and I really enjoy talking trading. Sick of being the smartest person in the room? Tell your friends about the Talking Trading Podcast and let them come to the party too. Talkingtrading.com.au Chris Tate highlights around the world for 2017. In this year, we continue to witness Donald Trump's egomania, Brexit negotiations with a slow and protracted divorce, North Korea's threatening Japan and the world with missile strikes, Angela Merkel holds power by a thread, and through all of this, the markets kept rolling on. Let's look at the top performing markets in 2017. The US, it discontinued to perform and rise. I think all you're seeing there is the fact that many people get confused, and particularly politicians. Politicians actually think that they have an influence on markets. They're completely superfluous. What we're actually seeing in the US is a continuation of the Obama bull run, which is really a of the enormous pump priming they did post the GFC. 
So that will just continue to roll on for as long as the market thinks it should roll on. So just to give a bit of context, at the beginning of the year, the S&P was sitting at 2,276. It's now sitting at 2,628. Hmm. If you look at the US markets, if you look at them in context, you've got the Dow up what? As of last night, about 22% for the year. S&P up oh, 17 a bit. NASDAQ up 28, nearly 29. Again, that's just this continuation of that juggernaut that has built momentum post the GFC. And think of it this way, they're in the reverse part of the cycle that we're in. We're in a part of the cycle where all money has poured into real estate investment, none's gone into equities. In the US, it's completely different. All the money's gone into equities, none's gone into real estate, because the real estate market in the US is stuffed and has been stuffed for 10 years. Whereas we're, we're the flip side of that. So the money has to find a home, and it's finding a home in markets. So again, it will just continue on until markets decide that it doesn't want to continue on anymore. But the, con- the, the performance of the American markets needs to be put into context versus the Hang Seng, which is up 32 and a bit percent for this year. So the Americans are looking a bit sort of limp biscuit compared to what they're doing in Hong Kong. Okay, so let's go to Asia and Hong Kong. Hong Kong cash was 22,500. It's now 28,795. They have really, really moted. It seems like when the handover to China came, there are all these sort of, as usual, doomsayers are saying the world's going to end in Hong Kong. And obviously there have been teething difficulties. And let's leave aside the social and political aspects of that. Just simply look at money because that's what counts. The money doesn't care. And it's clearly showing people it doesn't care. And that's what you're seeing in the performance of the Hang Seng. But you also have to look at the Nikkei, which is up about 18%. Oddly enough, when you look at China itself, when you cross the border... The Shanghai Composite's only up about 6% for this year, which is intriguing that there is this juxtaposition between Hong Kong and China. But, again, context is everything. If you look at China the year before, and the year before that, they were the standout market in the world. So all booms end in busts, and that's all you're seeing. But the interesting thing is if you lump us in there, because we are an Asian nation, Despite what conservative politicians think, we're not a giant island anchored off the coast of Great Britain. We do sit in Asia, which is a little bit of a shock to everyone. We're up only about 5% this year, but there's always a but. The performance of the index belies the actual performance of stocks within the ASX 200. Because if you look at the ASX 200, of the 200 stocks, 148% had a positive return this year. 23 of those 200, so more than 10%, had a greater than 50% return. And 39 of those, of the 200, had a return between 25 and 50%. So the index itself doesn't give a true picture of what's happening in the local market. If you narrow down to the ASX 100, you get a little bit of a better picture, and the ASX 50, you get a better picture. But looking at the 200 doesn't tell the entire story. So again, we come back to this notion about granularity and context. People often forget to look a little bit beyond the obvious. 
So yes, our index looks really, really ordinary, and it, it does. But several stocks within the index are not ordinary. Let's go to Europe, Germany. Ah, oh, dear God. What can we say about the Germans other than they make really, really, really good cars? Uh, uh, them, their market's been quite lacklustre. Uh, the DAX is up, oh, well, I think, 12%, 13% for this year to date. So it's not much. The FTSE is stuffed. The Euro 50 is mediocre and very, very mediocre. Europe, unfortunately, continues to grind its way through, as you mentioned. Uh, the issues of dealing with the Russians, their own internal issues, issues with Brexit and the like, and they are problematic issues, and they're things they're just going to have to sort out. But one of the things that needs to be mentioned about the performance of all indices, particularly those that have done very, very well, that performance came in a single chunk. And this, this is the thing about trend following. If you miss that single chunk for the year, your year's over. For example, if you missed the gain in the Nikkei, which came literally in a single chunk, forget about looking at it for the rest of the year because you've missed it, it's gone. And, and this is the notion that catches people. People, uh, they try and cherry pick when to look and be involved in markets. And you can't. You've got to be in Look, I won't say in all the time because that's not that's not strictly correct, but you must be a player all the time to choose the time to go in. If you're flitting from market to market not looking, then you'll miss that chunk. It's the same with the US markets. If you miss the big chunk in the NASDAQ 100, you've missed it. That's it. It's, it's gone for the year. So forget about it. Go on holiday. This is the unfortunate thing about trend following. Your returns come from capturing a good portion of those big, chunky returns. It's not from this constant oscillation and movement because that's just nonsense. And so th this is the thing that's catching people. And this, people will be looking back at markets now, looking at their charts going, oh, when did that happen? <laughs> well, it, it happened when you weren't looking or when you didn't have rules for dealing with the congestion beforehand or you sat there going, oh, look, I really need three years of confirmation. Yeah, let us know how that works out for you while you're still living at home with your parents. So let's talk about confirmation. And without you revealing too many of your secrets, what does the setup and trigger need to look like for you to enter? For me, I, let me take it back even simpler. I actually believe that trading is the simplest endeavour on earth but it's not the easiest. It's simple because the rules are so simple. It is hard because the human engagement of those rules is so difficult. Think of it this way, I'll use an analogy, weight loss. Weight loss is really, really simple. Eat less, move more, there you go. If you want a two-part program, move more, eat less. The two-part program is more expensive than the one-part program. It's really, really, really easy. Weight loss is it's an energy balance problem. It's a thermodynamic problem. Really, really simple to solve. Can people lose weight? He no. says as he sits there in his Why? athletic singlet. <laughs> yes. Why not? Simply because they can't follow the rules. Something blocks them from following the rules. The same is true in trading. My approach to trading is really, really, really simple. If it is a new high breakout from congestion, I buy it. I have no argument with that whatsoever. 
I just do it. Green light, go. Red light, stop. That's it. And the difficulty people face is that it is so simple. And it is the simplicity that, that defeats them. They believe it should be far more complex than that, that it should be far harder, more difficult. I need more confirmation. I can't take the chance. I can't take the risk. Well, here's news for you. I can give you a riskless trade right now. It's called a bank account. Do you wait for confirmation? Do you wait for a second candle? No. No. Once the signal is given, the signal is given. I see no point sitting around waiting. I, I, I don't... No, I won't say I don't understand. I do understand why people wait. But the paradox of that statement is I don't understand why they wait. However... Let, let me clarify that by an addition. It is my belief that d- the default setting for all people is to do nothing. That's the default setting. Humans move towards a state of maximum energy efficiency. We have an energy state that people just sit in. To move beyond that is hard. It requires change. Change requires pain. And so... The default setting is to do nothing. If I'm a trader and I do nothing, well, then I can't be wrong. I can't bear the burden of being wrong. I can't, there is no pain for me to tolerate when I go, ah, shit, that went wrong. That's cost a bit of coin. Okay, move on next. Uh, Most people can't do that. They will sit. And there's all sorts of, they have all sorts of rationalizations as to why they sit. You know, I need more confirmation. You know, the color of the screen's not right. You know, I've got prostate issues this week. It's also protecting themselves economically against losing coin. The the issue is trading is about that. Think of it this way. Uh, If I wish to learn to swim, sooner or later I'm going to have to get in the water. Sooner or later I can do all the crap I want on land and I can watch all the YouTube videos I can possibly find and I can sit there looking at the synchronised swimming going, really, that's a sport, is it? What the hell? But sooner or later, I'm going to have to put the old budgie smugglers on and get in the water. And you know what? It's going to be cold and it's going to be wet and it's going to be unpleasant. But I I won't say I have no choice because I do have a choice. There is always a choice. The choice is to do nothing. And the majority of people run their lives in a default setting of doing nothing. It's just the way people run their lives. It's easier that way. Doing nothing involves no risk. Let's talk about commodities this yes. year. Gold, silver, sideways. Yeah, pretty much so, with the exception of palladium, which sort of had a standout slash choppy year when looking at it over the long term. Any other metals? Well, all the chunky big group of precious metals we look at, with the exception of palladium, ugh, Go home. Come back next year. Softs. Let's look at the softs. Ah, do we have to? No. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) What is your advice to traders coming up to the New Year Christmas period? Uh, Enjoy the holiday and don't eat too much. And don't drink and drive. In regards to trading? (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much my trading advice too. (laughs) One One of the things that you need to accept in trading is that you're going to have to take an enforced break. Sooner or later, you're going to have to say, okay, that's it. I'm going to shut up shop now for four weeks. 
I'm going to go on holiday and I will come back because the issue that we need to all accept because we are all egocentric and narcissistic is that the market will be there when we get back. It will, it's not going anywhere without you and it will be there when you get back and you can start again. Chris Tate, happy Christmas, happy new year. We'll see you next year. Thank you very much. And stay tuned next week for the highlights of 2017, where we look at our special guests and their pearls of wisdom. I'm Caroline Stephen. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.